Hello, this is Len Tengis welcoming you to the iPodcast AGCMO Weekly Podcast. In each episode, we'll feature information about a contractor, specialty contractor, supplier, contracting agency, owner, or legislative or regulatory issue pertinent to the construction industry in Missouri. We'll feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Welcome back to iPodcast AGCMO. Today's guest is Sean Thuveno. Sean has been on our AGC Missouri Board of Directors for a number of years, has been involved in a lot of different committees, and is the Vice President of Branco. Branco Enterprises, as it says on his shirt here. So, Sean, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, Lynn. Well, tell me, Sean, what Branco Enterprises is and does and what Sean Thuveno does at Branco Enterprises. Branco Enterprises is a uh, multi-service provider, general contractor in southwest Missouri. We actually work the four-state area. Four states of? Uh, Missouri, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas. Okay. We venture up into Iowa every now and then, but not very often, and we'll go other places. Branco, uh, we just celebrated last year our 85th year in business. Wow. Yeah, long time. Uh, was started by three brothers. B. John Branham is our CEO. His dad, Roy uh, Price and Kurt Branham, all started uh, Branham Brothers Construction back in 33. And have they been based in Springfield or Joplin, or where, uh, where did they start? They started in Neosho, Missouri. Okay. And that's where our uh, corporate main office still is located today. We opened an office. We've always been in Springfield forever, but we opened an office to better serve our clients in, I think it was 2015. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we have we employ 128 employees, tradesmen. We've got our own equipment. We self-perform quite a bit of work. We're a true general contractor, not a broker like some of the some of the guys are today. Uh, we feel that puts us uh, a little step above the the average contractor that's just going to hire a subcontractor to do the work and manage them. Uh, it allows us to shift gears, and uh, when times get tough here and there, we can change our focus. As far as what we go after, we go after stuff to keep our people busy. So if we want to go bid all concrete jobs, we can go bid concrete. If we want to put up, you know, red iron, we do that. We want to do site work, we can do that. So pretty good position to put yourself in to take care of your people. So where are those 128 people working today? What sort of projects are you guys involved in right now? And we do a little bit of everything. We do horizontal and vertical construction. We've got several building projects across southwest Missouri right now, and then we've got a lot of uh, MoDOT work right now. We're doing bridge deck replacements, uh, intersection improvements, stuff like that, slide repairs. So, like I said, we get into a little bit of everything. How do you you go about project selection just look for we look for what's coming across transom or how, how do you guys go about project selection oh we we don't want to get into a situation where we're bidding with 15 other people because that's just not what we want to do we don't want to have to fight for the work we want people to fight to want us so uh, we've set ourselves in a position to where we get ourselves on select bidders list a MoDOT project what our ceo john likes to say he goes after the junkie jobs that nobody wants so we'll go after those and, and bid on those kind of projects. We'll, we, we'll even bid as a subcontractor to some of the, the big road guys 
on some of those jobs if mm-hmm. we have a place you know where we need to put some people. So you've been with the company how long now? 25 years. Wow. Wow. Did you come in working at the craft? Or did you come in out of school or how did you get involved? No, I actually was working for a company out of Nixon, Missouri, uh, doing national account work, chain store type stuff all over the country and uh, had a headhunter out of uh, St. Louis call me. And I can't remember the name of the Lattice, Michael Lattice mm-hmm. and Associates. Michael Lattice and Associates, yeah. yeah. They called and uh, said they had a company in my area that was looking for a project manager. And I really wasn't interested. And the more he talked, the more I sounded a little bit intrigued and ended up going and meeting with John and, and uh, the group down there in the Osho and worked out a deal to where I was going to go to work for him and then ended up getting a guilt trip from the guy I was working for and didn't take it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I wasn't happy where I was at. So I kind of, the guilt trip kind of wore off and, and, uh, <laughs> the Michael Lattice called back and they said, Hey, you need to call this guy. They're still looking for somebody. So I called him and we worked out a deal where, uh, actually the first three years I worked at Branco, I did national accounts there. I kind of brought my clients with me. So uh, that went along great, and then John finally said, if you can do work, you know, a thousand miles from the office, you can do it around here, so we're going to quit that, and we're going to keep you busy around here. So Great. So uh, it's been a good marriage. It has been a good marriage, and went from project manager to senior project manager to vice president. So That's wonderful. As you've moved up and as you're in management now, you're in more of a decision-making role, so I understand that everybody who's in a decision-making role doesn't walk out at five o'clock and turn it off. There are things that you think about when you're driving back and forth. There are things you think about when you're sitting there with a fishing rod in your hand or whatever. What are those things that you're concerned about for Branco or for the construction industry going forward? You know, Branco's, the the concerns I have for Branco are, are pretty much the concerns I have for the entire industry because without the industry and the need for, for contractors, you know, we wouldn't need a Branco or anybody else. So the biggest problem is, uh, is people wanting to take charge. I mean, you can find, uh, workers are hard to find skilled workers are hard to find. You can find young people that think they might want to do it, but you can't find anybody that wants to step up and be a leader really, or very few and far between. They want to not have to worry about it driving back. They want to you know, throw their lunchbox in the truck and call it a day and not think about what they're going to do till somebody tells them the next morning. So looking for somebody that'll make, make that cognitive or emotional investment in their career is a stretch for you. Absolutely. We, you know, looking for somebody that's going to own the pro the job is, is tough is they're just not out there. The biggest, the the way you can find that, the biggest difference between the older guys and the younger guys is ask them to work on a Saturday. You know, the old guys will work on a Saturday to get the overtime, the older guys, and they'll put it, you know, put it back for when it's raining. The young guy, oh, I got a, and I understand everybody has family and your Mm -hmm. time you have a ball game or a a dance recital or whatever you've got, but it's going to be raining and snowing in this industry and there'll be a week or three days or whatever. You're not going to have work. And the ones that don't want to work overtime are the ones that are the first going, well, I don't have any money. So that different set of values, different planning, different sort of immediacy involved there. Absolutely. So then the other thing you fight with is, uh, 
we live in a an instant society uh, where everybody wants everything now. It's a microwave society is what I call it, and I kind of grew up in a crockpot society where you kind of simmered for a while before you got to move up the ladder, but, you know, a lot of people think they can do more than they can, and then they get discouraged when they figure out they can't, so... It's just a tough balance anymore. Yeah, I heard about that microwave fireplace that you can sit in front of the fire all night in three minutes. Yeah, that'd be handy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as long as you can get all night sleep in three minutes. <laughs> You're a busy guy. You have a lot of responsibility here at Brand Co. You also spend a lot of time with AGC of Missouri being on our board and being involved in the other committee work that you do. Why do you do that? Why are you involved with AGC Missouri? What sort of things are we doing to help address this leadership void or some of these other things that you're concerned about? You know, when uh, I was first asked to get involved with AGC uh, of Missouri was prior to the to the merger of AGC with St. Louis. John, our CEO, said, hey, you're in Springfield. I want you to, I'm going to start, you know, tapering off a little bit on some of these organizations. I want you to go do the AGC. And I'm like, I don't have time for that. I don't want to mess with that. He said, well, go up there and meet some of the guys and this, that, and the other. And I went up there and uh, met a few of the guys. One of the first ones I met was Ed Tweehouse, and I actually still went back. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> And he'll listen to this. <laughs> so, but... I kind of real uh, it didn't take very long for me to figure out that you that the that the AGC was serious about helping the industry and doing things to promote the industry and uh, the legislative part of it is something that always intrigued me. So I became a member there, and uh, the the further that uh, I got involved with it, the more I saw that AGC is extremely devoted to this industry and. Uh, they put their money where their mouth is. They have, you know, continuing education classes. They have STP classes for the superintendents. They've got project manager classes. They've got safety. They've got, you know, anything you can you can do to promote the workforce. They've got the school in St. Louis. Like I said, it's just endless at, at what AGC of Missouri does for the construction industry. And I'm just glad to be able to help as well. So you feel like it's a good investment of your time? Absolutely. I mean, if it, I'm not everything that we do is going to directly affect us as Branco, but it's going to affect the industry. And if it helps the industry, it helps all of us. So I mean, we all we're all in it for the same reason. So so as we go forward as AGC Missouri and Branco, what sort of things are you looking for for us to do in the future, or continue to do, or what what things could we be doing to make your life easier? You know, in the last couple of years, we have AGC. I always say we because I always consider my part myself part of it. So you uh, are, yeah. Um, we've really increased our continuing education stuff and the availability of it. Computer technology has helped with that, where you can conference in these days, where people don't have to load up in a car and go to somewhere and sit in a classroom. They can conference in. That's helped out quite a bit. Because I think you did one of the supervisory training programs here between St. Louis, Jefferson City, and your office. Am I correct? We did, yeah, and it worked out well. I believe we're going to, I've been talking to Paul about uh, a mentoring program, which is coming up, which is another problem we have. You talk about the things that keep you up at night, is the average age of our our worker right now is 40-ish 
and you get the young guys in, and I'm going to these uh, trade schools and high schools and pre-apprenticeship program here in town and everything else, and we have our own apprenticeship program, have had since 93. Uh, we just now, uh, just this week, signed a uh, agreement with OTC officially and started last, or started Friday, today, actually, our uh, apprenticeship program with OTC. So we've got now one in Joplin and one in Springfield. But uh, the mentoring thing is an issue where, you know, the, the, I guess the common sense or hands-on is not as prevalent as it used to be for young people. And that's just people moving out of the rural areas used to be, you know, you'd look for the farm kids that, I mean, they could fix anything with mm-hmm. bailing wire and duct tape or whatever. But they're few and far between anymore. And some of the farm kids don't even go outside. I not quite understand that, but... Uh, Cut and paste on a computer doesn't get it done. It does not, but they used to, younger people used to have a little bit more hands-on type. They could do a little bit of something when they showed up to the job anymore. That may not necessarily be the case. The old guy, older guys that have been in it for a while don't want to mess with them. They're like, oh, get rid of them. They're never going to make a hand. And I'm like, guys, we're going to have to train these young people regardless of if they'll show up on time every day. There's half the battle right there. I said, so once they get there, it's our job to train them how to do this. So Paul Smith and I have talked several times about a mentoring course, Mm -hmm. uh, doing some kind of a how do you mentor people. I mean, as annoying as it may be, and and it may take you a little longer to do something, but if you've got an employer that's willing to let you take that little bit of time to teach these people, and and it's going to make your life easier in the long run because – I mean, we're not getting any younger. Somebody's going to have to do it, and uh, you might as well teach somebody to take your place. And the foreman and the superintendents on the job site need to realize that they're dealing with a different type of individual today than they were dealing with 10 or 15 years ago. Absolutely, and that, you know, that'll be part of that class, I would say. But that, that's going to be a huge deal if we can come up with something that will really stick in, in, the, guys, in the, the people's mind about how to mentor. Well, at any level, actually. Sure. It's it's all people to people. It's all person to person. You can send out emails and look at the TV all day, but it's nothing like actually dealing with it right. one-on-one. And I'm guilty of it myself, even at the level that I'm at. I mean, we have young project managers, and they'll ask me a question, and sometimes I find myself doing it's easier just to do it myself. And I'm like, you know, I need to teach them how to do it instead of just doing it myself. Yep. So I'm guilty of it, too, to an extent. Well, Sean, as we wrap up, anything you want to share with the listeners before we turn the microphone off? Not that I can think of, other than if you're not a member of the AGC of Missouri, you should be. And uh, you can find us online and sign up, and we'd be glad to have you. Sean, I appreciate your commitment to the organization, to the association, and to the industry. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO in the iTunes Store or on Google Play. As always, you can visit us at agcmo.org for additional downloads and information. Thank you.